Hey, winner. Welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I am so glad that you are joining me today. And I just want you to know that I appreciate each and every one of you. You are the reason that I do what I do. And I want to encourage you to keep going after your goals. Today's guest has experienced many losses in her life. She endured the loss of five loved ones in eight years, as well as job losses. Through her hardships and grief, Kathleen Blair became a certified grief and loss coach in 2012. She coaches others on how to navigate through the waves of grief. Kathleen creates a safe harbor for people to feel comfortable sharing. Her workshops, courses, and private sessions help people go from hopeless to hopeful. I'm thankful she was willing to come on to the podcast to share her heart with us. Loss is not the easiest thing to talk about. If you're going through it, it's hard to share. If you haven't gone through it, it's hard to know what to say. Not only is she sharing how she made it through the other side of grief and allowed God to use her story to impact others, but she also shares some wisdom on how to go through the grief stages and come out stronger. Kathleen and I met as authors in the Lemonade Stand 2 anthology that released in February. She decided to share her story because people suffer losses daily. Loss comes in all forms, job, health, a loved one, or even minor losses. Unless you've suffered a major loss in your life before, you're probably not prepared for the tidal wave of emotions or how to handle them as they come. Kathleen wanted to share that it is possible to get through loss and grief, not forget the memories will always be with you, but go on to live a successful life. What's even more special is that today is her late husband, Bob's birthday. We didn't plan that. When I told Kathleen the release date, she told me that. And I was like, praise God, his hand is in everything. Kathleen lives in Scottsdale, Arizona with her two furry pups, pumpkin latte and java bean. She is active in community outreaches, speaking at corporate events, career fairs, private coaching, and online group coaching. I'm excited to share her with you, so let's step into the fire. Welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I'm your host, Gabe Cox, and through this podcast, I'm on a mission to help you step into the fire of refinement so God can mold and transform you into a woman ready to step into your calling and crush your goals his way. I do this by helping you overcome your mental barriers through a faith-based approach of building inner strength and resilience. Each episode, I will bring you thought process, productivity tips, and inspirational stories from everyday people, all so you can live intentionally and move forward confidently with the gifts God has given you. As a running enthusiast, I believe that life is one massive marathon and it's up to you to run your own race and to finish it well. Step into the fire with me because I know you will come out stronger. Hi, Kathleen. Thank you so much for joining us on Red Hot Mindset today. Good morning. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. I'm super excited to dive into your story because I think it's going to help listeners understand uh, the grief process, listeners who have experienced loss and those who haven't experienced it to know um, what to expect or just how to walk through the process with somebody else. Because I think that's one of the toughest things um, for those of us who haven't experienced a really deep loss to understand how to walk alongside someone who has. And um, so I'm, I'm excited to dive in and I know it's going to be impactful, but before we get started, would you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself so that we can get to know you better, whatever you want to share? Okay. Well, originally I'm from Michigan. I'm now in Arizona. I've been here for 30 some years. So 
it's home. Um, I'm 100% Italian, if you can't tell. I know the blonde hair and the blue eyes throws everybody off. But, um, you know, I came from a very strict family and upbringing, but um, it, it was very good to have those disciplines. And, um, but, you know, through life, it's been a journey. Um, and so I came out here and I was in corporate America back in Michigan and coming out here, met my husband and became entrepreneur. And I've been an entrepreneur ever since. And it's a roller coaster ride, as you know, right? It's the good oh, yes. times and the bad times, but God sees us through everything. And it's just been um, very hard to work for someone else when you only work for yourself. I, I can understand that. I don't know if I could ever really go back to real working for someone else because I love the flexibility and just what it brings and the fact that I get to be creative and not be on someone else's time schedule and all those things, right? So right. that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. So I know today we're going to talk a little bit about some of the loss that you've had and how you've overcome it and come to the other side. I know it's been a journey and it's cool to see how God has worked in your life and how he's used using your uh, struggles to now become a message for others and to support others through. I, in eight years, you experienced quite a bit of loss. Uh, what yeah. was it like walking through that? Can you share just a little bit about what you experienced? Well, you know, losses are in all different areas. In my eight years, those were all loss of loved ones. I mm -hmm. lost five loved ones. So my whole Arizona family, I lost in eight years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it was my in-laws, my, my husband, my mother, and then my four-legged furry son, my <laughs> first dog. And so that was really hard. The The hardest, you know, each, each time I walked through it, um, the the steps became more familiar and so I wouldn't say it was easier because as I progressed through each loss the losses got harder mm. when I lost my husband I lost my business I lost my partner you know I tell people since I do divorce loss as well as uh, death of a loved one or a pet is that when you get divorced whether you want it or not it's kind of like a slice you know, it's coming and it slices because we're two as one. All right. But when you go through a death, and especially if it wasn't a planned death, someone has a heart attack or a stroke, it's like it's ripped from you. And so those jagged edges have to heal and they don't all heal at the same time. So both of them are bad. I tell people, though, when you go through a divorce, there's always the hope that you get reconciled. And many people do. All right. And many people, it wasn't the right thing and they move on. But in a in a death, it's final. Mm. There's no hope. There's no let's talk about it. In a way, it's good, too, because you don't always see that ex-husband or ex-wife at every family gathering if you had children. So. I'm not talking right or wrong. I'm just talking about the severity of the emotions. And they both hurt. Loss of a marriage in both instances, especially mm -hmm. if you didn't want the divorce, right? So you go through the stages and you find out that, you know, death, there's no timeline and there is no measuring stick. We all grieve differently. The hardest part is to try to do it on your own because you have no one to vent, no one to get the, the emotions out and talk about and find out what you're going through is normal. 
And the worst thing you can do is talk to someone who's never lost a close loved one. You know, if they've lost a grandparent when they were a kid, they probably didn't see them every single day or work with them like I did or play tennis with them and did everything with your partner. I mean, when I lost my husband, I lost my life. Mm -hmm. And then two years, four years later, yes, in 2009, I lost my mom. Well, my mom was my best friend. Mom knew me from birth. And that was even harder than losing my husband because mom knew all my childhood friends. She saw me through school. She saw me through my marriage, you know, everything. My, my loss of my husband, she, you know, she was a widow and I was a widow and, and she was such a great support for me. Mm. And then just two months ago, I lost my brother to COVID. So grief, you don't escape grief. You know, you lose friends, you lose jobs. Uh, we lost our life as we knew it all last year, and we're just now starting to get back. I know a lot of people are having self-conscious issues because they're going, oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm so used to just talking on Zoom or the phone, and now I'm in front of people. And there's this little hesitation. So there's an adjustment to everything. Yeah, that's so true. I think, and a lot of, if you haven't lost a loved one this past year, there's been a lot of loss in different ways, in different aspects, emotional, mental health, job, activity, friendships, just so many things. We can totally relate to that right now. And um, now we're trying to pick up the pieces. And that's something that I would like to see. How did you, how did you go through your own grieving process and how did you start to pick up the pieces? Were there any, was there anything that people said or did to help you? What did you have to do internally to get there? Um, well, it's, it's facing your loss. So many people try to suppress it and don't talk about it. Um, I went to my first grief support group. It was very fresh. I think he, it was like within two weeks. I couldn't talk. I was crying so hard. It was so hard to just, realize it and every morning I wish I would wake up and just say oh I wish it was a dream mm. you know and, and it's space in the reality and that takes time you know raw you're raw and you're exposed and you just have to wait it, it's the acceptance it's the reality and it doesn't happen with just the thought you have to go through the process and really create a new norm for yourself uh since I'm a writer, journaling is what I did. Mm. I journaled all through my husband's illness and I journaled more after. And I would just write because um, I did have someone that I could talk to. And I did that on a weekly basis, checked in with them and talked. That was familiar with loss, who listened more than talked. But it was just a way of me getting everything out. You know, and it was really, you know, journaling is one thing, but talking about it is another. And then gradually, I just started doing um, things that really could help me um, by going to, you know, different reading books on different topics. Uh, I did go through a course that was faith-based through our church. I ended up leading that course for six years, uh, Grief Share and Grief and uh, Divorce Care. Um, and then I went to a church that asked me to come in. And when they saw that program, they said, no, we don't want a video. We want it live. 
So I then ended up writing a 12-week course, and I sell um, it online now. And um, it really is, a, it's with a workbook, and you go back and forth. Um, you can get the course, or you can get me. I can teach it, too. But it really helps to just, it's questions that make you think. And it, it addresses, like, the trigger points. You know, you go to a restaurant with a girlfriend, she invites you to coffee, you've told her no a few times because you're not up to it, so finally you go, and then when you're sitting there, you meet his best friend, and all the triggers are the person that stood up in your wedding, you know, and all of a sudden, there it is, well, you have to cry, you have to release that emotion, and you don't need to apologize for crying, you know, those, that shows how much you love and miss that person. It, I, I tell people never, never apologize for your feelings. And, you know, the, the more you love someone, the longer it takes and the harder and the deeper you'll grieve. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. And it's, I think picking up the pieces doesn't mean that you forget, right? What does that look like? You never forget. You always carry them in your heart. In fact, what I tell people is like, I still talk to my mom's chair and she'll be gone 12 years because we'd watch movies and we always sit at the end of the movie and they live happily ever after. We'd say it together. So after every movie, occasionally I'll turn to her chair and say, I know, and they live happily ever after. And it just makes me feel good. You know, um, also, when you've lived with someone for a long time, you can hear their voice in reminding you things. Like when I can't my keys, I find them, you know? So it's something that I knew that she would say. Mm, yes, I love that. Because I think some sometimes we think to move past, we have to forget. And that's Never. not true. Yes, we, we, no. we do have to move past. But it means we keep the memories with us because they're cherished. They're loved ones. Exactly. They've been a part of our life and our season for a reason. And it's okay they to help, do that. Yes. They mm -hmm. help shape us. Mm -hmm. You know, my husband instilled things in me that I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for him. So when it comes, I, I loved reading your story. So Kathleen and I met in with the Lemonade stand to anthology that released in February. And so it was so fun to read everyone else's story. They're victory, struggle, victory stories and lessons we've learned along the way to really help others in their journey. And when I was reading your story, I loved the beginning when you were talking about always being a bridesmaid, but never a bride, because you and Bob did get married a little bit later in life. And um, mm -hmm. so what was that experience like for you? Because he became like your number one, right? Oh, yes. In fact, you know, I really, anyone who is waiting for Mr. Right, wait, don't settle. Because once you get married, you'll find out it isn't the answer to everything. It's just having a person that really loves you. Yes, but if you don't pick the right one, it's not going to work out well for you. And um, yeah, we, we just meshed. We was kind of like my soulmate. And uh, we had struggles, but... Um, we worked really well together. We were in the custom home business. Uh, I was into fashion design in school, and he was an architect background. And so we um, had a wonderful business together until he got a brain tumor, and that um, eventually, you know, took him to heaven. But you know, that's another thing to realize that when you're going through a loss, is that we all have 
I call an expiration date. You know, God knows there's a time to be born and a time to die. And we have to, whether it's our will or not, they leave right then, it's his will. And that trumps ours. So we really have to uh, respect that and realize that, you know, the more I learn about heaven, I can't wait. I mean, it, you know, it, especially now the way the world's going, it's so much better for them to be there. Oh, yes. I have listened to a pastor, um, it, verse by verse ministries. And one of the things he always said was, uh, being healthy is the slowest way to die because, you know, we get to experience God and heaven when we get there and all that. But I mean, we want to live life fullest while we're here, but to remember that this too will pass, we will be gone one day and our timing is not the timing. It's going to be God's timing. And, um, you know, you're no stranger to miracles with you experienced a lot of them you experienced them uh even while your husband was sick and i know you had planned on a miracle and that he would be healed and you were just waiting it out um do you want to share a couple of the miracles with us and then one thing i'd love to hear because i think a lot of us struggle with that well why did this happen why didn't i get my miracle that i was asking for but we forget about the miracles along the way um well, you know, he, my husband had um, two miracles during his illness. Um, he suffered a stroke and I rushed him to the hospital and they admitted him and his carotid artery was full. And we, um, which didn't surprise me, he didn't have a healthy diet. So, you know, it was like, and he was older than I was. And I, I you know, so but fortunately, he was in the hospital and they were going to do surgery and he'd be fine. Well, um, the day before surgery, um, I got together with the deacons in my church. We do had this annual, this monthly dinner, and that's when it was. And it happened to be around Thanksgiving. So there I am. And he, he wanted me to go to the dinner. He said, you go. We had turkeys for Thanksgiving. I had to give them. And so I went. And then Pastor Saeed who was the head of the deacon ministry, he prayed over our meal. And then he included, you know, please be with Bob. And, he, you know, we ask that you are there for the surgery and we pray your will be done or however, I can't remember the exact prayer, but he marked the time. And so the following day, I go in to find out that the surgery didn't happen because when they they, um, the surgeon wanted to do the surgery that night, the night before, instead of the following day. So he, you know, Bob was upset because he didn't have a cell phone to call me up and say, Hey, they're going to operate on me now, you know? So he was in to being prepped and the surgeon for some reason said, take another x-ray before we start. And the nurse did. And when she got the results, she ran out of the room and you know, Bob's going like, oh no, now what? You know, is something worse? And she runs out of the room because the carotid artery is completely clean. There was no surgery, it was canceled. And then he came home the next day. Um, so yeah, we saw God right then. So then this, prior to that, um, Bob was in a skiing accident up in Colorado. He was skiing and he just had, I guess, uh, shoulder surgery. So to protect his shoulder when his edge caught the ice, he threw his body and he fell 
and he put out his light knee to break the fall, which is not a good thing to do, as probably everybody over in Colorado knows. But um, he was trying to protect his upper body. Anyhow, he blew out his back, and um, they told him he would never walk again. And um, so he, he did walk, but it was like living with somebody in pain 24-7. So remember when I said that marriages and everything, and you always don't get what you ask for? Yeah. Okay, well, he, the, you know, he was in pain, and he wouldn't take any medication because he didn't want to get addicted to it. So it was like living with a wounded animal, and some days were worse than others. And, uh, you know, there'd be a roar when I would ask a question. And fortunately, I'm, you know, my heritage prepared me because Italians are loud and Italians do, you know, we do, we do debate things. And so when he was that way, I would just turn around, leave the, leave the out the back door and then come in and say, let's try this again. So that was kind of my way of telling him, you're coming out a little too strong, let's do it again you know, and kind of make light of it. But um, so the whole time I prayed for his salvation, because even though he taught Sunday school, he didn't have that personal relationship with Jesus that I had. And it became more evident as their marriage went on. Mm -hmm. So I would pray for his salvation and I would pray for his back. And God answered them all. Wow. He was saved first. And then a year later, God miraculously healed him without even asking for it in the moment in a church service. And um, he couldn't believe it. He was just like, oh, this can't be true. I've lived with this pain. Or is it now? You know, kind of like pain becomes your friend when it's always there or your enemy, but it's always there. And so he didn't tell anybody for two weeks. Wow. And then finally, he told the pastor who had him come up and pray for everyone because it was like, don't give up on prayer because it works in his timing. And, you know, when people say, oh, my prayers don't get answered, it's because you stop praying. Wow. So, you know, he, and that was the start of his healing ministry. Even though he was a baby Christian, he'd always say, okay, I'll just put my hands on him. You do the praying <laughs> because he wasn't confident yet. And, and, uh, taking the lead in prayer. I love it. I love it. If you are interested in hearing these stories I'm sharing more in depth, you need to pick up a copy of the Lemonade Stand 2 Anthology. This series is a powerful testimony of others willing to step up and share their stories for emotional growth and inspiration. I had the privilege to be a part of Book 2, which is a collective of narratives of true everyday heroes who show you how to stand in your power, find the courage to seek truth, and reveal your authentic self. I wrote the Running For My Life chapter because we need to have more open conversations about mental health. Too many young souls are falling culprits to depression or suicide in this noisy world. I decided it was time to open up and share my story. I dealt with severe depression and anxiety in early adulthood, and through personal development, mentorship, and my deep faith, I was able to take back my life and come off all medications. It's hard to be vulnerable in this area that is usually filled with much shame and guilt, and I didn't want to end up back in that place by drying out all the emotions I knew would come out as I wrote, but I knew it was time. 
It was time to share the story I've hidden for years in an effort to help and support anyone else who may be dealing with negative thoughts or feelings that are spiraling them down into a dark place. There is hope and light in the midst of darkness. Are you in the midst of a struggle of your own? Pick up a copy of this book to find encouragement, inspiration, and motivation to move forward into your breakthrough. Our stories are meant to be shared. Head to www.redhotmindset.com to snag your signed copy of The Lemonade Stand 2. And I think sometimes we expect it healing immediately. We think, well, we should be healed immediately. And then we get frustrated. It's kind of, it's almost like anything, starting a business or whatever. We get frustrated and we stop. But God wants fervent prayers. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't tell us when. I mean, timing, his, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Exactly. You know, when you look at the Bible, and especially in the Old Testament, people prayed for years, mm-hmm. 40 years in the desert, years. So if we have to pray for four years, and mine was 11 and 12 years, I have the journals to prove it. I mean, there were so many times, hello, God, are you up there? You know, let me see a sign that you are hearing my prayer. So yes. Um, but he is faithful. And sometimes the way we're praying for something isn't the best thing we're asking for. Mm-hmm. We limit him. And sometimes, you know, by just saying, God, you know, my heart's desire, but your will, because I know you'll do exceedingly more and abundantly more than I could ever hope and ask for. So, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. I love it. And when sometimes he, it is no, it is our prayers aren't answered the way we want. And you were praying for healing for Bob and he went to be with the Lord. Did that affect your faith at all? Or how did you work through that? You know, interesting. No, it didn't affect my faith. In fact, God let me see the transition of him going to heaven, which is explained in the book. So that's going to be my little surprise for people after read the book if you want to know the details. But the, um, the fact that I've got to see heaven is real you know, and um, that he was healed at that moment. Um, No, I mean, I cannot begrudge my husband heaven. There's no way, um, you know, if there's times when I'm jealous of that, because it's tough being a widow on my own. And, you know, I keep saying there's no mortgage payments in heaven. (laughs) It's not fair. (laughs) It's not fair. But, um, you know, I trust God every morning I wake up. He is my provider. He is my, um, you know, my protector. He promises me. And I think people really have to realize you have to live in the moment. You have to live today. You know, if the birds don't worry about what they're going to eat tomorrow, then we shouldn't. He always provides. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes we, we look at things we want and we want them now, like you say, and we're not content where we're at. So if you're not happy with a little, how can he trust you with more? So, you know, I'm trying to, I'm like David, I encourage myself every morning. Mm, and love- that's one of the things I, I try to address in all my loss coaching. Okay, whether it's a job loss, a loss of your health downsizing and going into assisted living you're losing your whole life mm-hmm. your memories your your in and when i say your whole life the life that you had in a home with family all your memories everything and now you're going into maybe an apartment or maybe just a room in assisted care 
And that is a, a major loss and people don't realize it. And it's sad that families don't realize it and, and probably just want to check it off their to-do list, get mom into a place and they put mom into a place and then they don't get to visit her as often. This year they didn't get to visit her a long time. Yeah. And they went through extreme loss mm. of communication even to everything that they were familiar with. Mm. So it all starts in your mind in how you look at things. Yeah, you're so right about that. It really does. And, um, you know, when you've never experienced the deep loss, it's really hard to know, always know what to say. Or you feel you feel so much empathy for that person. Like I haven't really experienced too much deep loss. My I lost my grandparents before I was born. Really, um, my parents are older, so I'm getting to this point of now starting to experience these losses. But you just don't know. You think what you could say could harm the other person, but it also not saying anything could harm them too, because you want to know. You want them to know you're here. So how, how do we come alongside someone who is grieving? What, what did people do for you that benefited you? Or what are some words of advice you have for us? I wouldn't say people, um, they probably said more things that were hurtful than helpful. And that all you know, affected me choosing this path of a career. Hmm. Um, I tell people the, the best thing you can do is acknowledge it how sorry you are. And when you say, I'm here, if you need anything, do it, bring them the food, give them a certificate to get a massage or, you know, give them, um, take their kids or whatever it is. Don't ask them because they're not capable of taking up your offer. Their, their mind is not a hundred percent there. They're just processing these emotions. They're going through the, the actual routine as a robot, you know, and it, it's so hard to explain unless you've been there, but saying, all right, Hey, tomorrow I'm going to pick up the kids or, Hey, I'm going to take you out to eat or let me go get your groceries, you know, just be their hands and feet, you know, serve them. This is what Jesus would want us to do, right? Be a servant unto them, pamper them, love them. And when they start getting better, where their tears are now, they're teared out, so to speak, it's when they get, start mentioning some good things that you loved about the person that they no longer just say, you know, I know you miss him. He was such a great guy. And this is the reason why I'll miss him too. You know, because when people don't talk about him, as you mentioned before, they act like they never existed. And that's not true. We want to. In fact, just this weekend, I was invited to a widow's luncheon. A woman just lost her husband in December, but God put it on her heart to start this widow's program ministry. Every month we're going to do something. Well, there's fresh and there were some that husbands were gone for 20 years, you know, from 30 to 70 or 80, there were people there, women. And it was so nice to see. And I actually, when I attended, because it's not my church anymore, there were five women there that knew my husband when he was healthy. In my life today, nobody knew my husband. 
because mm. I'm in different church, different activities. And it was so neat to see, oh, they actually knew I was married and I had a living, breathing husband, mm. you know, because everybody else sees me single. And um, it was so nice. And so, yes, I think it's, um, everybody is always at the holidays afraid to say about Uncle Joe or Aunt Martha. They're afraid to bring it up because they don't want to make them sad. But you need, you know, somebody in the family needs to ask them, would you, you know, we want to know what you need. We want to know, is it okay to talk about them or is that still too fresh for you? Hmm. And I tell people in part of my coaching is that if someone says something hurtful, we have to correct them or they're going to continue to do that. So you thank them for their concern and say, I know you mean well, but really when you say something like that, it has the opposite effect on me. Mm. Wow. And so, you know, if we don't start doing that, they're going to continue to say, and the worst thing you can say to a mom that lost a child, whether they miscarried or had later the child was second past, is that you're young, you can have more children. Ooh, yeah, that is. And you, you know, people are saying that because they said that to me, mm-hmm. you're young, you'll get married again. Well, that doesn't make me feel better. That doesn't make the hurt go away or erase the memories of everything I shared with my husband for 17 years. Right. Mm, that's such good advice. And sometimes it is hard to, do I say something about them? Do I not? So I love how you put that together and said, they'll tell you if they're not ready. They'll Mm -hmm. tell you what they need, or they should tell you what they need. Well, and if they don't tell you, ask them and ask ask them questions, just saying, you know, this is new for me too. Mm -hmm. You can say to them, and I don't want to say something to make you feel worse. How can I help you? you know, what would be comforting to you? Yeah. And even if they don't answer because they don't know themselves, you know, at least you tried and they know you're trying. And that means a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Even just asking that question means I care about you is what we were telling them. Exactly. Mm. My mom, uh, my dad worked afternoons. So my mom and I became close because we had all our evenings together. And a lot of times my dad would work seven days a week. So we were together all the time. So when my father passed away, she was used to him being gone working. Mm -hmm. Okay. When my husband passed away, he was working with me. You know, we were together 24 seven. So I remember after a few months or something, my mom said to me, well, when are you going to snap out of this? And I looked at her and I said, you have no idea. He was my life. There's this huge void. He's not, I have to find a new job. Hmm. I have to find a new tennis partner. I have to find a new bowling team. I mean, I was in all these things. He's my prayer partner. We had a ministry together. You know, I have to find someone. I don't have a husband to go to the dinner with or to go to our movies that we'd love to share. You know, I mean, he was my life. Wow. You don't replace that in a couple months. No. But see, she and I didn't have children. So for her, you know, my dad being gone, she just spent more time with her kids and her grandchildren to fill the void. 
And many widows do that. And that's great. Mm -hmm. I don't have that. Yeah. So it was even, it took longer. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's, it's really neat to hear the heart of someone who's gone through the loss so that we can understand and be able to do something with it so that we can come alongside others. And, or when we experience it, we know that we have, can have a confidence in finding someone else who's been through it, because I think yeah. that's super important. And that's a part of what your grief course is doing. And I almost think you need a, we need a course for those who haven't experienced it. How do we come alongside? That would be so great. Um. <laughs> well, that's something that I, I am putting together uh, to do a lot of my zoom are kind of drop-in Zooms mm. where we can talk about a topic because a lot of people aren't ready to commit to six weeks. Yeah. And, um, but you really need to have somebody coaching you and kind of prodding you to the next step so you don't get stuck because mm -hmm. it's not fun and you won't want to go to the next step, you know, until you're kind of not pushed to, but a lot of people miss the steps. And then you find yourself later on doing something and then all of a sudden the Pandora box gets open because you didn't address that before. Yeah, yeah, that's so true, so true. I love it, and I love what you're doing. Um, I'll definitely be linking your course and your website for other listeners to come find you, but can you tell us just the best way for listeners to connect with you? Well, my website is hoperenewedtoday.com and you can write me at hoperenewedtoday at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. And also you, <clears throat> I'm offering a discount to your members, 20% oh. off a six week uh, or six session coaching, uh, private coaching. So it's really attractive because it's not so, me so much for me to make the money. I know coaches charge a lot of money, but in my instance, I don't want people to grieve alone. Mm. Yes, absolutely. And I love that we have these access to these kinds of materials and services because it's important. We shouldn't be grieving alone. And sometimes it is easier to talk to someone we don't know yet that can help us walk through it. And we can talk to them about what do we do with our loved ones? How do we express ourselves and how do we get through this? And so uh, what you're doing is so great. And just the fact that you were able to take that the mess that you found yourself in and turn it into your message that you feel a calling to do is just so impactful. So I really you know, appreciate it. One thing too, with friends and family, they want you to go back the way you were. Mm. And it's very hard to be, go back the way you were because your life isn't the way it was. And, and so it's hard for them to devote the time to help you through the whole process. Mm. Yeah. So that was kind of like my, my example with my mom. She just wanted me to go back to being her, her daughter. That was happy all the time. Yes. Yes. And you had a journey that you had to go through. You had to go through the grieving and take the time that you needed. And that's something that we need to remember is that we have to give our loved ones that time we need to give yes. And the time is different for everyone. So this has been great. And just so you all know, Kathleen is coming back on Thursday to share kind of how to pick up the pieces, how to dream again. What are you building your dream? That's what we're gonna be talking about. So Kathleen, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, well, thank you. 
Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time and I hope you did too. Before we go though, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform if you haven't already. This will make sure you have access to all future episodes so you don't miss any of them. If you resonated with this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify as reviews are an important part of growing this podcast. If you have any friends or family who you think would enjoy this podcast, be sure to take a screenshot and share it with them. And if you're not a part of the free Mindful Mamas online community, consider joining us. It's a community built to provide support, mindset, and encouragement as you develop your gifting, live intentionally, and go after your biggest goals, God's way. Head on over to www.redhotmindset.com to check out the show notes and find the link to join the community. I hope you step into the fire with me each and every episode because I know you will come out stronger. That's all for now. Talk with you real soon. Bye, winner.